0: Hi, you were listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about mobile development for mobile devices, and uh, this show is hosted by Jake McMullen. Good evening, morning, day.
1: <laughs> what? Okay, and Ben Tregrove. Good times to you all. <laughs> I was just trying to cover any moment that you might be listening to this.
0: I see. And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. This is episode number thirty two and we have follow up ah oh, we do we do cool this follow up is in regards to last week last fortnight we did a an we did a rapid fire episode, yeah, it was we, cool. we recovered a bunch of different random topics and uh one of them was auto layout and since that episode, so we recorded it like two weeks ago at this point since that episode we I've done some playing with Auto Layout.
1: Yeah, how's that going?
0: It did not. It do, did not go well. Um, so I sat down. Obviously, I think it's it's very clear, or it should be very clear, that I do not use storyboards in any of my apps at
1: all. This seems to be a recurring theme between yeah. us here. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm clearly the storyboard advocate, and I'm. I Definitely. like storyboards but I don't like the layout
2: <laughs> so I'm like
0: this fence sitter over here. So well so <laughs> I I sat down with my with one of my projects which has actually gone out recently Multiplex um the update went out.
2: Congrats today.
0: And I took one of the one of the little views out of that which was is a basic little uh little view which actually kind of follows one of the examples that we talked about last week. Yes. Kind of
1: No, no, I think it's pretty close to. I I was talking about a um how painful I found it to lay out labels in sort of vertically laid out labels one after another yep. where you have to try and accommodate the fact that each of those labels may or may not span multiple lines. Right. And I enjoy auto layout uh, now that I think Xcode 5 makes it easy. And I think I was talking, was it last episode, the one before? I caught myself saying the wrong version of Xcode. I was talking about really? 4 versus I don't know. Anyway, you were talking about four and how bad four was. Yeah. Okay. So I think I got it right. That's yeah. Correct. And Xcode five is much better. Yeah. Particularly for that, right? From laying laying out labels vertically aligned. Um. But you didn't have any joy.
0: Well, so I mean, obviously, I I wasn't using storyboards when I was doing it. So I was writing code and trying to use the. I started out trying to use the the fancy visual yeah visual cool. code, which kind of like. <laughs> it's nice to write it. Like it's, it kind of, it, it makes sense. Like you, you have either like a little capital H or a capital V, mm-hmm. depending on whether you're doing it horizontally or vertically. And um, then you just basically describe the blocks like ASCII style, um, which is kind of nice. And it's visually like it, it works visually like a storyboard. But the problem that I had was that I was never at no point did I ever get past the, the uh problem of not having the correct number of uh constraints. Oh you
2: couldn't get it fully constrained? Yeah. Did um, you did you overshoot what's it over constrain it?
0: No, I think I, I, I think I under constrained it and I couldn't figure out why. So I, I posted I think I posted a I tweeted about this
1: and yeah, I saw the tweet, and I'm like, okay, I've got to convert you to the ways of Auto Layout. Right, <laughs> that was so, my mission.
0: So I posted. So in response to your your desire to correct me, uh, I posted a the code that handles the layout. So yep. it's it's basically a little a little you know method that just automatically lays out the the code the the views and the labels and stuff based on the content. Yeah, using. Rects and setting all that by the, by hand and the, doing all the math by the hand, old school way. Yeah, the yeah. the better way. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and um, and I also posted a screenshot of the of what the
1: view looks like. Yeah, as what it's supposed to look like. And, and so for for given this is such a visual medium. Um so firstly we'll probably put links in the show notes. We will right? definitely put links to those in the show notes. But if you're not listen, looking at links but you want to follow along basically the view was a
0: an image. The view was an image so it's like a it's it's essentially a book cover. Yep. And then beside the book cover to the to the, the right-hand right side. side you have the title of the book. Yep. The date span that the book covers underneath the title also the, to the right of the book cover. Yep, cuz it's a sequential comic strip happens on days so the dates are important and then it has a little description text which will be like a little paragraph of text all three of those labels can change in height because they'll have multiple lines at some point or another the book title might be too long wraps over to two lines um the date span might actually need to wrap as well the paragraph text obviously that requires multiple lines and so i i posted all that Yes. And I saw you that. said
1: that you were going to you said that you were going to uh convert you to the ways of auto layout yes. and show you how good it is. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, the conclusion is auto layout can't do all of the things you were doing in your code. But I Which think bit? So so I think um I I've ended up sending you a, a screencast and I will probably make that public somewhere. Yeah, I think we should. And so basically the reason I I sent a screencast is because um it's kind of hard to describe the process of setting constraints visually in Interface Builder or the Storyboard Editor in Xcode. Um, it's easier to show people. Uh, so I wanted to show you what I did. Um, but basically, uh, I created a view to contain everything. I set constraints on that view in relation to its parent view, that it needed to be zero pixels from the left, zero pixels from the top, zero pixels from the right, and that its height should be constrained to a specified value. Mm-hmm left its width unconstrained and its bottom distance from the bottom of the view to the, the bottom of its parent view unconstrained so that if uh, the width of the parent view changes, say, as a result of changing the orientation of the device or because you're suddenly running on a device with a different screen size, right. uh, that it would fill the width vertically, sorry, horizontally, but it would stay a consistent height. Based on the idea that the book cover image might be a consistent height, yeah, the book cover, the size of the book cover was definitely yeah. um, going to stay the same. Yeah, um, and so that got the the kind of outermost container view constrained. Yep. And then once you'd, I'd done that, I was able to constrain the book cover to say that it had to be a certain distance from the left edge, from the top edge, and from the bottom of its parent view, uh, which is the uh, the one that I'd constrained earlier. Um, and that it was a fixed width and height. And then from that, I was able to say the heading should be a specified… Uh, the, the leftmost edge of the heading should be a specified distance from the rightmost edge of the book cover. The top of the heading should be a specified distance from the uh, top of the its parent view. Yep. Uh, and the right edge of the heading should be a specified distance from the right edge of the parent view. Mm-hmm. Um, and left the width and height unconstrained. Repeated that for each of the other labels, but instead of saying the parent view, I said that there should be a specified distance from the label above. Yep. So that was sufficient constraints to make it so that the labels would resize horizontally if the views changed size, but would stay in the right positions relative to one another. And then the only thing left to do was to make it so that labels could grow to accommodate longer text and the only thing you need to do there is to change the number of lines of the labels from 1 to 0 uh, and change the line break style from truncate and to uh, wrap words. And then that's enough so that the uh, labels will sort of all lay out underneath each other properly and will wrap to as many lines as they need to. But the problem final problem there is that the final label, the description, if it was too long to be contained in like, so if the total of all of those three labels meant that the last label was too long, it would just flow outside the bounds of its parent view. Right. So then I had to put another constraint in that the distance between the bottom of the label and the bottom of the parent view had to be at least, so greater than, I don't know, 10 pixels or something, um, 10 points. um, And then it would allow that last line to wrap as many times as it needed to until it was going to flow be long, below that 10 pixels and then it would truncate. Right. Um, so it kind of almost got there in auto layout. So that's almost. zero lines of code, right? All Or just almost. through interface builder. So what's missing? Yeah. So your code had... Uh, okay, so my code,
0: the difference, I think, between his code and my code, and I, I think actually what might be handy if if we've got a bit of time is to is to put, maybe put a project, put a project, a small project together and actually have both, have the, have both in the uh, sets of
1: code in it. Yeah, sure. It's a bit hard to see auto layouts just by looking, inspecting a project that implements them, especially if you've sure. used it in Storyboard. Cause you, I don't there's know, you gotta, lines like, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there's lines everywhere and you gotta click on the right but thing. You
0: can kind of, it, it gives you a, you know, something that you can
1: look at. Yeah, so I think that, but I'll be post handy. the screencast as well so you can see it being built up.
0: Yeah. Um, but the the, the difference, the, the major differences, I think, between um, between Jake's and mine is that um, based on the size of its content, so rather than truncating anything, the view itself actually gets changed in size because it's oh, yeah. it's a table yeah. view header. So all I do
1: is I... So I could do that in auto layer yep. if it weren't a table view header. Yeah. Any other view. Table you can, view you headers could are really say, difficult
0: because it's not, it's not like I can just set the frame and it, it takes care of it either. Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually have to uh, the, the other workaround that I have table to do view is, delegate. is when I update the the content of that view, which is what sets the sets the frame anyway. Um, when I update that, I actually have to then autom- like re add it as a table view header, um, which is really weird.
2: I don't, to don't have size the table view header.
0: Yeah. You- can but it's not it doesn't it doesn't work. The, the well.
1: size of the table view header is specified in a delegate method, isn't it? The de- yeah, table view doing, asks um, its delegate what size the headers are, and there's a method that returns the size. Table view yeah. begin
2: updates change the. Either way, you can't do it directly
0: updates. within the view, mm. so you can't directly do it in that in that view. That so I think, I, think if I you used. actually
1: wanted to use Auto Layout to do exactly what you wanted, mm-hmm. you'd probably have to break it out so that that wasn't a table view header anymore; it was a view that sat above your table view which isn't vertically above
0: which kind of just adds a lot more complexity to my view yeah it does
2: yeah i agree or Um, you could uh switch to android where this would be a piece of cake (laughs) i'm not doing i'm not doing this in android that's easy just switch to android (laughs) i'm just gonna recode the entire
0: app in android that sounds so much easier
2: i will say this is just i think a particularly bad case to compare because that is just so easy on android but there are definitely things that are easier on iOS, and most things are easier on iOS.
0: I mean, look, the thing is is that Jake got it pretty close and used no lines of code, just used, uh, used constraints. There was a lot of constraints in there, though, which I would have had to specify if it was in code. Like, if I yeah. was doing it with the programmatic style, it
1: would have been a lot more difficult than yeah, to... Definitely. Of- um, On that front, I was going to suggest, have you heard of Masonry? I have not heard of Masonry. So, Masonry is a open-source project. It's on GitHub uh, for doing... Uh, auto layout programmatically, without using that weird visual language. See, I was so thinking can, there should be like it's sort a, of a nice that does library that, to yeah. chain, like chain method calls together to basically allow you to express the auto layout constraints programmatically in a way that kind of makes sense. Right. Um, I don't use it myself, but I've heard good things about it. Um, I, I'm a fan of storyboards. So I'd like to do my auto layout visually. Yeah, um, I'm, and I'm, and seriously I'm never ex, going to be a, Xcode 5 has made it so much nicer like I, there's all of these buttons in there that, like um, so one of the things that makes it so much easier and even for learning for like understanding the situation you were in where you're like why is it under constrained um it'll actually give you a little exclamation point at the top right of your file um like a warning and you click on it and it gives you exactly what the problem is. It says, you know, um, a particular view could could be a number of different heights or it's unclear. And it will also show you the frame. It will kind of show you a red line indicating the frame that an element will have at runtime. And then like orange lines indicating where the frame should be if your constraints were being applied. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of see... Oh, this is like, you can see that the frame is much narrower or sorry, not as high, not as tall. The height is off uh, and you go, oh, okay. I haven't got a height, a height constraint in here uh, and there's not enough, you know, and and the sum of all my other constraints aren't enough to make sure that the height is what I would want it to be. Things like that. There's also a little button where you can go fix constraints and it will kind of like try and solve those problems for you. That's um, about as good as the Fix My Code Signing Issues yeah, button. <laughs> okay. It's not a very good button. The button that I like is uh, Clear Constraints, yes. which is just really nice. Cause I in like Usco Frames. That one's good.
2: What's that one? Update Frames will actually... So you, when you constrain everything, it doesn't actually move anything around unless you tell it to. Um, and then you can go Update, and it will like lay out your view, and you can see if you got it right. If you didn't, you just hit Undo. <laughs> Um, and the other one I really like is the iPhone four to five button. You can like click back and forth to make sure your view is that's going up cool. and down. Is right? there
1: a landscape portrait button?
2: No, there should be. There really should be. You have to um, change the simulated orientation yeah. thing, but that's like ruins everything.
3: Hmm.
2: I think the end result
0: and the def- the end result of this little experiment was definitely that I am not using auto layout in that view. <laughs> Um, partially because, well, the app has already gone out, but also partially yeah. because it the code was already there and it already works. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it and was more
1: th- like I was using that as a, as a test for yeah. for trying trying auto layout out. And to be fair, there are things that you can't do in auto layout that you can do in code. So, for example, uh, you made had some logic in there to say that if the heading, the title of the book, needed to span multiple lines, yep. and it contained a colon, yep. that it should break at the colon right. rather than just break. Where, which is which is a that
0: which is like a a thing like a grammar thing yeah or something. it
1: makes it makes a lot of sense hmm. um, I think that I remember Marco Arment tweeting about uh, when he was investigating Auto layout, wanting to try and find a way of dealing with a similar situation where there were multiple labels that could be a number of lines but wanting to I think uh, achieve a certain height overall height by specifying which one was truncated the most and sort of having some logic around, okay, if they need to be truncated, I want the first one to, to be truncated after one line, the second one. I can't remember exactly what his scenario was. Right. But at the time I remember thinking, yeah, there's no way to do there that was, in auto layout.
0: There was, a, there was logic involved in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
1: that's the thing. That it, auto layout doesn't allow you to, to use logic that knows about the content of your views.
0: Yeah. You have to take it out into code. I mean, you can, yeah. but the, the the thing is, is that like you, one of the things that you mentioned last episode was that you can, you can, uh, tap into the, in, into the constraints.
1: Yeah. programmatically. You programmatically, can. Yeah, You can have an, and a, so you
0: could do, you could use the logic in
1: that regards, I guess. I think there's probably a better way of doing that. There's, um, and this is beyond my knowledge of what layout uh, Control elements have an intrinsic size now with yep. auto layout and you can program at it. Like you can override a view. Like if you've got your own custom sub view, you can have your own logic that determines what it's intrinsic size is. Um, and then auto layout will lay out all of your views such that they are all basically able to have their intrinsic size unless there's a constraint. It's telling them otherwise with a higher priority right so it's you know like the default is to try and let everything be the size that it needs to be um and then if you've got other constraints in there that means that something's got to be smaller then it will will adjust it so if you if you want to be able to specify yeah sizes you know you could probably do
0: yeah i i think auto layout like auto layout is good i think if you're using storyboards because i have used it with storyboards and it actually is very is is very nice to like implement and it's obviously mm. very easy the the code is just just nonsensical um it doesn't like you can either use the visual format, which doesn't necessarily work in really complex layouts because you can only have like you're only really seeing one thing you don't have like a it's like it's like looking at a line so it's like two dimensional version of your view, yeah whereas or a single dimension of your view. Yeah, so like for instance, where I've got like the cover sitting to the left-hand side of all the labels. Yeah, like all I could do is look at the one one area of that and kind of looking looking at a cross section of of my view. Yeah, yeah. No, I um,
1: I, I it's just really haven't even tried to use the visual language. I I did like have a m- play around with it and just thought this is and crazy. You can
0: you can add the constraints programmatically. Like each individual yeah. constraint, there are, there are methods that you can call for
1: that. But, but it's they're, the most verbose API in the world. Yeah, like
0: there, <laughs> and, and I mean, Objective C has some bo- verbose stuff, <laughs> no. but this is
1: crazy. It's it's right up there with Fetch specifications.
0: I think I think I'm going to continue looking into Auto Layout. I don't think I don't think the existing APIs or the the uh, core APIs are the way that I'm going to do it though. Yeah, I'm going to look into enough. this. Ha- have a look at Masonry. I'll have a look at try Masonry. using Storyboards.
2: Use Storyboards.
1: That's that's where I'm ending it. Use Android. Words.
2: That's where I'm ending. it. So, obviously, obviously,
0: two weeks, no, a week from when people are potentially listening to this episode, it is, yeah, it's a week. What's happening in a week from
2: Google I.O.? <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah.
0: WDC, WWDC, WWDC, I, I, I call it dub, dub to everybody, like people that don't even know what that is. I think that's what most people call it. Yeah. Anyway. Dub dub starts in a week, so I thought what we could do is we could have a we could have a uh, a talk about what we expect or what we hope to see and what we expect to see yeah, out of Dub dub. funny you should mention that.
1: I've got notes. Jake's got notes.
2: All right, let's hear him. Let's hear the first one.
1: So I um I don't know how you guys want to do this, but I I was trying to structure my thinking. 'Cause I think there's so much that could potentially that we could potentially cover that could happen at dub So mm-hmm. I kind of um I divided things into uh language features, tools, frameworks and operating system features, iCloud and um another category which we can get to later. Oh. Uh and then I made kind of two I, I scored I came up with two scores out of ten. Uh one to represents how badly I want that thing. Mm-hmm. And then another to represent how likely I think it is that Apple will do that thing.
2: Cool. Let's just go through the categories.
1: Let's, let's do it that way then. Okay, and maybe you guys can come up with we stuff within those categories. The, yep. uh, okay. So the first category of language, mm-hmm. uh, the Objective C language. Uh, the first, my first thing that I'm predicting is namespaces, uh, and I've said that I re- I want that about a six out of ten, and I reckon yeah, I give it a fifty fifty chance, five out of ten that it will happen. I don't I don't feel like it's going to happen. Maybe not this
0: this dub dub. Maybe you're saying dub-tub.
1: less than five out of ten. I'm, I'm saying less than five. I'm going to give
2: it a three out of ten.
0: Yeah, I you okay. feel mm-hmm. about that. Do either of you want it? Particularly, I, I would. Lo- I know that Ben doesn't like namespaces. He's mentioned that on a previous previous episode.
2: I like namespaces, but. I also like prefixing my classes because yeah. I'm so used to it. That's what it was. Yeah, that right. that, that, that is what it was. Yeah.
1: I, so I've been doing a little bit of Android development lately, mm-hmm. uh, and I've so loved getting rid of the prefixes.
2: I know it's just beautiful, I, like it, having these great. classes that are so. It definitely is great, and it's totally a required feature. But I'm just so like used to it now that when I don't prefix something, it feels like, naked. It's like there's something missing. Yeah, I'm doing something wrong. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think I think if like if we had it, I'd I'd use it, and I'd be really happy with the the fact that it was it was there oh, if yep. it was there it would definitely by far be the best practice okay um, but you just don't think it's But gonna... I don't think it's going to happen I I find okay. it hard to believe that it
1: would right. it well well how about the next one is uh improvements to block syntax or the APIs by which you use blocks so one of the things I um and I got an 8 out of 10 here for wanting I want I can't remember block block syntax ever I always have to look it up every time I use it and I don't I do struggle a little bit with the whole uh, weakify of weak making self weak to mm-hmm. try and avoid yeah. retain loops. I just kind of think, surely there's something they can do at the language level to make that better. And maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe this is actually, it's got to be the way that it is because of technical reasons I don't understand. But I kind of hope that perhaps through some changes to APIs that use blocks or changes to the language itself, they'll be able to make the syntax of creating a block and using it easier. Okay. Uh but my likelihood my prediction is three out of ten.
2: Yeah, I don't think
0: they're gonna change the syntax.
2: I'm gonna go with a one out of ten on that one. Yeah. And I, I probably wanted about a
1: four. Okay. You just like you're familiar with it now. Blocks well, just type block def at all. Yeah.
0: Type def block. One of the things that you um that you mentioned though was that was the whole weakifying of stuff before you pass it in like weakifying self before you passing it pass yes. it into uh a block. I'd like to see that. That I would like to see. What you mean,
1: like the weakify? I-
0: take that taken care of, and so yeah. it's done automatically by the compiler.
1: Yeah. So you, should, I, I think ideally you don't want to do anything special. Yeah. To self before you go into a block.
0: Right. It um, should just it should just take care of it for you, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like changed to the underlying frameworks or anything. All it needs to do is they can. I don't know if it's possible. Yeah.
2: Oh, I don't you would know have either. to change the rules for ARC because ARC guarantees that anything you ever use will be available, not over-released. And if you now say... I think that it's, they word it much better than that. But um, if you now say that it automatically weakifies, and I think that breaks one of the fundamental rules of ARK, mm. which is why we're in the current situation where it automatically strongifies.
0: I, I don't think that that's necessarily a massive problem. I think that they could do that. And I think if they if the rules were, were clear about it, then, that was, then it wouldn't be See, a problem.
1: My problem is I don't understand the rules very well. I kind of vaguely do, and if I look them up and read them, I go, oh, yeah. But when I'm actually writing code, I always have to refer to those rules again or just do this special week self-dance thing that yeah. I know I should do. And you don't want people to have to be thinking about it all the time. Like either either make it so it works so that you don't have to think about it or like kind of make what it – What
2: about – because every year, every update, we get better warnings around it, so better analysis, analyze the things. Well, so that would be enough? a help but cuz it gets most of them now. Yeah. just doesn't get all of them. Yeah.
1: Um the other thing i mentioned is improved apis around blocks. Like um one of the things i find difficult in using blocks is that um so some of my asynchronous code previously i'd write using ns operation subclasses. Mm-hmm. Um and the thing i liked about that was you could cancel an operation. Um and so if for some reason, like say for example, um I think maybe this might be something I did once. Uh, you're writing a table view cell subclass and you want to do some long-running task related to it, like downloading an image that's going to appear in the cell. Yep. Uh, and then the cell's reused. You yeah. just cancel your download image operation and say, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. We've got no use for you anymore. But if you use your block-based API for that, um, there's no real nice way of cancelling it. So you've got to have some sort of thing that when the completion block executes, you've got to have something in, in that. Uh, execution of the completion block to say, is it still valid to do what I was going to do or has situation changed? Right. So it's not, yeah. I
2: think, and I've never done this, but you can add a block to, um, oh, complete complete completely the word. What are those things? You can have an NS operation queue. Operation. You can add a block to an operation yeah. queue and then you can cancel it. Okay. I've never done that though. No, nor have I. So maybe, <laughs> I'm maybe it's sure just me that, misunderstanding the APIs. But
1: I'm pretty sure that's the way to do that. Okay. I just like I've kind of looked at this in the past, but maybe I just didn't look at it well enough. Um, But I I was in a situation where I was using a block based API, and I'm thinking I want a way of bailing out of this the execution. So you were using like a dispatch async, yeah, something like that to do some long running task, and then I wanted to make sure before uh, that task finished Mm. that um, it was still valid to do the thing that I needed to do.
2: Yeah, this um, was one of the criticisms of Grand Central Dispatch when it came out, that it was like a bit too easy to kick off a thread. So now it's so easy to kick off a thread. You just do it all the time. But you have no control over it. it just, yeah, it just <laughs> runs. Yeah.
1: So maybe there's something rather than in terms of the blocking syntax or the language itself, maybe this is, really belongs in the framework section that um, there are things that can do around the APIs that take completion blocks and things to let you at least know a little bit about what's happening when that yeah. block's executing. Uh, do you guys have any other language things? That was that was it in my yeah, I've pr- got one. language predictions.
2: I'm going to start with my ratings. So I think it's, I would 10 out of 10 love it. Yep. And I think it's maybe a 5 or 6 out of 10. And I think it's going to be a better form of KVO. Somewhere, some way where it's not based on strings and it doesn't all come back to the one method. That's my hope. I think like we see all these things popping up like reactive cocoa and stuff that are sort of dealing with this problem. And I don't think Apple engineers Are ignoring that, so yeah, that's my prediction. What do you guys think?
1: I think that'd be awesome. I'd love it as well. Are you thinking something like Cocoa bindings on the desktop OS where you can um maybe not maybe not all the way through interface builder?
2: That'd be cool. I'd love that, but I don't think that'll happen. I'm just predicting, yeah, just a slightly nicer KVO, just yeah, just no strings, and comes to you can like set up a method maybe or. I, I think I mentioned this to,
0: uh, off air at one stage, um, I think to Jake, uh, after the, the talk with uh, with Ash about uh, Reactive Cocoa, it, it kind of sparked my interest in the idea of being able to do what Reactive Cocoa does with um, with properties on a, on a object or whatever, um, where you can find out what they are and automatically do something when that changes, mm. which is basically, I mean, it's basically what KVO yeah. does. yeah. Um the issue and the issue I, I I did actually look into trying to use KVO to do something similar. The issue there becomes you can't KVO everything. So the problem that I had was I was I wanted to find out when the frame of something updated so that I could do something. Ah, oh, that's that. a struct. And yeah. Because because of that i I'd like to <laughs> this to, is
1: just isn't that a weird situation though that you've got to like differentiate in your mind between oh is that a, is that an object to see object or is that a struct and if it's an object to see object, then I can observe properties changing on it and if it's a struct, I can't and yeah
2: the thing is it has to be a property, and I think a frame
1: isn't a property yeah but, i mean i can I, th- I can understand, but it just seems like a kind of but
2: you can you can KVO primitives so if you've got an int or something yeah you can kvo that it's yeah, property. So I think. Do you I know, know how it works? Interesting fact of the day: do you know how KVO works. How does it work? It swizzles the the property getter and setter. Right. So it adds it adds a method call on either side of that getter and setter for for before informing. updates after updates. Yeah. Whoa. So
0: I think the I think I like, think that
2: was crazy when I learned that.
0: I'd I'd like to see I'd like to see something where you can you can observe any value mm-hmm. on an object regardless of what it is. I very much doubt. Look, if they do, if they do a key value observing update and improve that, then I would hope that they would do that. So, but I, I have my doubts as to whether they will would do that ever.
1: So, um, it sounds like the most predictive we've been in this is I gave namespaces a five fifty fifty chance, but uh, neither of you guys have actually given any of the features we've discussed much likelihood of happening
2: I think I gave this one a five and a half say okay, five go. or six yeah okay
1: fair enough <laughs> is there anything else you think is like a shoe in that's something that's definitely going to change in the objective in the language? language yeah in the language
2: We're, I would say almost certainly going to get more static analyzer warnings. Mm. That's, in the, that's, <laughs> that's not, like a ten out of ten tool, is going right? to happen. Oh, okay. Does clang format count? I reckon we might get some sort of official release around that. Yeah. Some I would say that's probably a tool as well. Oh, yeah, it's a yeah, I'm thinking of a language feature. What about mm.
1: metadata? I would love metadata. So not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Ten out of ten. One, one out of ten. 10 gonna happen. Out of, okay. <laughs> Look, I I think it sounds like Objective C ain't changing this year. I think that the most no, likely gotta, thing that we get, that we've something. talked about so far is probably uh,
0: you know, updates with blocks. Like we're going to see I think we'll see a, a lot of um a, a lot of synchronous stuff uh, have blocks added to it just hmm. where
2: there hasn't hasn't already been. added. What about an official weakify Strongify? That word comes from the obje- extended Objective C library where they have yeah. a macro for weakify and Strongify
1: to avoid you going underscores weak type Whatever, I I think it that that's a, that would be admitting failure. Like I I kind of think that um, I don't think it's admitting failure. It's a thing. Well, you have to no, do. I think the principle of arc was that it was automatic. Mm-hmm. So it's like <laughs> it's in the name. Yeah. So don't think about it. Was basically we'll do the reference counting for you. You don't have to start thinking about. But you
2: still have to make weak properties. You do need to make, weak and you properties. still have to do the underscore underscore weak thing. Yeah. And yeah, you still and need th- to- This is why I would like to have
0: that 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 sort of thing removed completely. If if like it, it, I mean, if the whole point of Arc is to you don't have to think about this anymore, then why am I still having
2: to think about it? I think this is going to turn into a debate. of we just need to get rid of Objective C, I
1: wasn't going
2: there. We weren't. So <laughs> I wasn't going to go there either. That's where it's going to go because I think a lot of these things we want are next to impossible in this C-based language.
1: Well, so. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. who knows? Who knows if there's another knows? category of other languages?
0: Like I said on the last episode, I don't think we're going to be getting, the, the, anybody's going to be getting up on stage and saying, well, we're replacing Objective-C this year. So.
1: Unless it's with JavaScript. Now they've got LLVM <laughs> optimizing JavaScript. Yeah, I don't think that's Woo! really what that's about. <laughs> no, either. nor do I. Um, okay, should we move on to tools then? Yes, yep. tools. Okay, my first uh, prediction slash want, it's really a want here because it's 8 out of 10 want, 1 out of 10 predict, uh, Integrated Cocoa pod support in Xcode. Oh, that is a zero never out of ten. So <laughs> I gave I gave it a one out of ten chance of happening because Apple have integrated third party tools and workflows into Xcode. So for example, running unit tests and Git Xcode bots for running um, doing continuous integration and Git. Okay. So there's there's precedence, one. and I can I see, see
2: your one out of ten.
1: Apple c- can't deny that the vast majority of iOS. And and Cocoa developers out there are using CocoaPods now, um, but so but, I think I think what they but, might do.
0: But is Apple using CocoaPods?
1: I don't know. Probably not. I um, think that's the problem here. So what they might do is release their own first-party package manager.
0: Yeah. Maybe I'd, say, I'd that yeah, would higher be more rating, likely. Yeah. I yeah. don't think they're going to be. I don't think they would integrate CocoaPods because all of the things that you've mentioned, all the other services that you've mentioned, are things that Apple could be or would likely be to be using for their own projects.
1: U- unit tests, yeah, probably. I'm suspicious. I would say that that's probably something that that, that I think at least be a team
0: thing. Like some of the developers within Apple would, would use, be depending tests. on the d- the team and whatever. Yeah, yeah. but. Cocoa pods, I don't think they're. I don't think they're using that within Apple. I don't think that's the case.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I,
0: as much as I love cocoa pods, hen, and I would love hen, it to hence be. my only
1: one out of ten, right? But
0: I don't think it's mm. going to happen.
1: All right. Um, nested storyboards. Again, this I've got an eight out of ten for me wanting this, uh, and a two out of ten. Can I give I it a negative
0: five that I wanted?
1: <laughs> so shall I explain what I mean by nested storyboards? I basically mean the ability to have um, a storyboard. Where one of the things is a placeholder for another storyboard, and you just double click on it, and it kind of expands and takes you to that other storyboard.
2: I think I would give that more than a. I think we will see storyboard improvements, and that's a pretty obvious one. They kind of had
1: that in um, Quartz Composer, where you could like get a whole composition and sort of say make this whole Quartz Composer composition into a single patch that you then see within another composition. So you could kind of right, like you could have like Russian dolls.
0: You could have like uh, like a. embedded view controller that would, you know, do other things. That yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And I, you
1: might, like, have one top-level storyboard that says, okay, the app starts with a tab I can uh, see that controller happening. with three tabs and then each of these three tabs i have got another storyboard. I can yeah. see that happening.
0: I would give that a fairly high rating for it to be happening. Uh, I think we definitely
1: will see changes to, to storyboards or rather improvements to storyboards. W- while we're there on the topic, I didn't have this in my list, I just thought of it, though, um, is I'd quite like a way of uh, making connections between um one view controller and another one that are connected via a segue. Like Oh that it, doesn't go through Yeah, taking dragging and connecting an outlet basically exposing a property of one view controller that passes a value to another view controller that's being segued to without you having to you write code in prepare for segue to The do one that I yourself. really hate
2: for that is containing. Like when you the contain a view, view got to catch the the contain containment to go, segue.
1: That's yeah. just stupid. To get a reference to the parent view controller that's being contained in, and vice yeah. versa. yeah. So there should be some way of saying this property I want to be connectable via an outlet in in the storyboard editor.
0: I um, don't feel like that would happen, but I can see why
1: it would be useful. Uh, finally, in my tools category, I've got uh, plugins, like actually officially supporting plugins for Xcode, mm. documenting it, you yeah. know, um, I've got it as a kind of, actually only a six out of 10 as I want, because I think that the plugin manager Alcatraz seems to make it pretty easy to add plugins, discover and add plugins anyway, without Apple's support. Um, so maybe it's actually not that necessary. Uh, and my likelihood is 1 out of 10 because, again, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening.
0: Again, I think that's that's the same. It's the same thing where with what I said about CocoaPods, right? I, I don't really feel like Apple is big on using plugins. In Xcode. And so, therefore, I don't think they'll add it.
1: But So, the Xcode IDE has like a plugin, like the Alcatraz plugins are all Plugins written to be plugins, right? Like there is a kind of arc software a- software architecture to support plugins. There's sure. just no documentation and no tooling around it, and no, you know, it's not officially exposed. So
0: no. I still don't, I don't, I still don't think it would happen. I don't, I don't really like if there is something within Apple, then I think that they're going to keep it that way. But I don't really feel like they well, would actually use that, plugins.
2: They had their own continuous integration solution and still made bots, and then didn't really use them in Apple. That's why they didn't work. At first, because there was no dog fooding. I
1: think the 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 reason I'm kind of with Jelly and thinking this is unlikely is that um, if Apple were to officially support plugins in Xcode, it could potentially slow down the rate at which they can make changes to Xcode because they'd have to be worried about breaking yeah, third-party plugins. That's a good point. And I can't see them wanting to do that,
0: um, especially not at this point in time where the the whole Objective C frame and the language and the frameworks underneath it, like it's all changing really rapidly. Mm. Like the fact that we're able to sit here and say there's going to probably be a lot of like changes to the language and the frameworks and all that sort of stuff.
1: Except yeah. that we haven't predicted many changes to either the language or the tools because we every the idea we come up with, we're we'll like, nah, they'd never do that. But that doesn't necessarily mean do that. that
0: they're not going to make any changes. It's just we just it's don't. just that we haven't that maybe we the haven't changes... sat down and thought about like and and came up with some the, sum, the same the ideas that they we will.
2: Don't know we want. Isn't that like yeah, the yeah. Apple way? That yeah. is that is typically the Apple
1: way. Yep. Yeah. I got nothing else on my list of tools. Do you guys have any other tools?
2: What was the tool I said before?
1: <laughs> LLVM. Uh, oh, Clang plan. format. I reckon Clang we'll get an
2: official some pull in. of Clang I would definitely format. like
0: to see that. And I think when we talked about when we talked about that, whenever it was, like that, that is definitely something that I would like to see. And mm. um, that I I played around with Clang format and trying to get it to work, and mm. I I wasn't particularly happy with the way that I had to get around it. So, yeah, we've been using... Um, I think if they integrated something to make that
1: those those decisions, like, it would be good. Yeah. I've been using Uncrustify. So, a little bit of quick follow-up to our show on style. I've now got an official Strappy Sock style guide. It's on GitHub if anyone wants to read oh, it. Hello. I copied the New York Times style guide uh, and made a few changes. Okay. Um, what did and you change? Do you remember? The words New York Times to <laughs> Strappy Sock. All right. Um and uh, there's an Uncrustify config as well for it. Um, and that's kind of kind of cool. Um, I'm going to check it out. We'll add it to the show notes. Uh, so the next category was frameworks. or And I've kind of combined this as frameworks slash operating system features. Because I think that um, if any of the features of the OS change, we'll see those changes through the UI kit, and Cocoa Frameworks. Mm-hmm. So my first one here is a, I've got it as a 10 out of 10 for me wanting it and a 6 out of 10 for me predicting it happening, and it's really vague. Basically, I think and want that there'll be a better way to bridge the silos that apps are.
2: Ah, yeah, me too. Um, I predict that. So I think
0: we
1: talked about this last year as well. Yeah, we did, and there wasn't. <laughs> did,
2: because there was all that cross-process communication stuff that yeah. leaked and then never eventuated.
1: So, I mean, the, the problem here is, so one of the things that's great about iOS is that it's made computing so conceptually simple that a lot more people can just get it? There's a lot less you have to worry about. There's no right. file system, yep you know the idea is you launch an app and you look at that app and you're dealing with it and all of the data and functionality and of the, the content of that app all sits within that app, and you go to another one and it's entirely separate but I think I think that's limited like I think that's f- so powerful in terms of making computing much more approachable to a huge range of people, and I don't want Apple to to make it too much more complex because I think they've done something great with iOS. But I I kind of think there's a limit to how sophisticated the devices can get and the users of those devices can get before you need to somehow get things between. And so far, it seems like Apple's way of bridging the gap between these silos is through their kind of stores of content. So there's a photo album on your iOS device um, and all of the apps can read and write to the photo album. There's a calendar and all the apps can read and write to that. There's an address book and all the apps can read and write to that. There's a music library and everyone can read from it. Some people can write to it. Can anyone write to the music library? I don't know. Not that I know about, but yeah, okay. But that's kind of their way, right? That mm-hmm. there are these things that you can, that everything can read and write to. Uh, there's not a file system like that. Third parties have kind of come out Dropbox. They've got APIs that apps can talk to.
0: Well, the closest thing to that is the, the ability to use um, the UI document um document something, something, something.
1: This is open in, is that what you're talking yeah, about? So you can say, you can register your so you app can, as saying I yeah. I know about this file type. So you,
0: if, in your project you can register for specific um content types or rather content UTIs. Yeah. Uh, which sounds like a disease to me, but anyway. It's a
1: universal type identifier.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, so you can register for essentially a content type. So you might, f- so as an example, GIF wrapped registers for the content. JPEG. For JPEG, for PNG. I was joking. I thought it was a uh, GIF, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it does it does it for JPEG, for PNG and for GIFs.
1: Right. And so if I email you a GIF, there'll be an opening GIF wrapped. That is thing. correct. Um, but that then You'd then get your own copy of it. It's not like you right, share um, that one. You right. get a reference to where that GIF is stored on the file system and get to share it with.
0: No, you get a reference to where that fi- that that thing is on the file system, but then you get it. But it you can't modify it. it at that point. No, 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 no you can't. It, it just it just basically lets you do something with that file, so, so one, you can import it. Once upon
1: a time, there was this computing paradigm where you would, um, it was data centric or document centric. You might have a you might be working on a report and in order to uh, do that report, you might do some manipulation of numbers in a spreadsheet software and then move to a word processor where you do you lay out your type and then do some image editing in an image editing app and you take the document with you from place to place. Right. That seems to have just gone by the wayside and now Apple and others are sort of saying, screw that, that was too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to have an app-centric view of the world where you launch the app you want to work with. And all the data that comes with that app stays with it and is inseparable yeah, from well,
0: it. it. It basically it basically attaches you to the app, so the app knows who you are, yeah, and so therefore knows what your content is.
1: But only the content that belongs to that app. I can't right,
0: like, right, right. Yeah. Um, so
1: as an example, and I kind of feel like that's a a a real step back. Like yeah. it means that you know, um, for example, say you've got an image, and you've got a couple of image editing tools and you say, okay, I want to do some cool photo effects in my photo editing tool, and then I want to set some type on top of it in my typesetting tool. Um, That kind of works because they've all got read-write access to the camera roll, and you could kind of do that. Um, But it... It feels what you, clanky. What,
0: what you re- what the, what you really want in this instance is to be able to pass the document back and forth in a much
1: more well, easy way. Yeah, I, and I don't think that's going to happen. But pass something back and forth is. I, I kind of hold out some hope that there might be something. So if, if, I, f-
0: it, I feel like it might be possible that they will add something. They will add something that will be able to make it easier to pass a document back and forth. Or so the kind
1: of predictions I've heard is that there were some rumors about um, that the iPad. Yeah, OS at least will allow side. apps to run side by side with drag and well, drop between really them. Multitasking. And then you could, you know, drag and drop, right? Being able to, s- so that'd be similar probably to the same you register for the file types can be dropped on you yep. and instead of having to, you know, get an open in dialogue, someone could just drop it on you. I kind of related to this. So that seems to me a better way of bridging the silo, that sort of data silo between apps, being able to pass data back and forth more easily. Um, I also think that we need a, a way of triggering the functionality of an app at a more granular level than having to launch the app and navigate through its UI to find the user interface element to trigger that functionality. And so this is something I'd really, really like, again, 10 out of 10, but again, I'm not sure it's likely, is um, perhaps having better granularity around functionality, perhaps exposed through um, notifications, like the lock screen notifications, but with options actionable things you can do. So kind of like in um, the desktop notification center, how you can reply in line to a a Mm. message. Wouldn't it be nice if as part of the local notifications API on iOS, you could provide, here's the message I want displayed. Here's the options the user can choose from and maybe have different option types. Like there's a yes, no option type. There's a text input option type. There's a something or other, And then register the little bit of code that you want to execute when that option is selected. So instead of like them having to launch your app to respond to the notification, they could on the lock screen, and I'm predicting uh, improved notification center and improved lock screen notifications kind of to coincide with this, that on the lock screen or within notification center, they could just say yes or no, or they could just inline type a little bit of text, and it would basically execute the, the subsection of your app that deals with that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think some there need to be some way of isolating your app, you know, being able to say that this bit runs in isolation, or maybe they just launch your app in the background for five seconds and run that little bit of code.
0: Yeah. Um, like you could probably do that. Like they could probably do that with something similar to like, um, you know, when you open with a specific URL, with yeah. the URL scheme.
1: Um, And I kind of see this potentially uh, being exhibited through better notification center and lock screen. Also uh, perhaps with wearables. So you guys have both got Pebbles, right? Yes. If the apps on your iOS device could send to your Pebble a notification that included the ability to perform a little action, action yeah. that would like be useful, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I kind of think Siri is a little bit the same, that perhaps this could be the interface to Siri, that your app could say, you know, these are the actions that you can take in response to this thing. Um, you know, like, so Siri will read out your your notifications but it's just like a list of messages. Whereas it would be nice to be able to say, you know, I don't know, I'm a, I don't know, an airline ticket booking app. The notification is there's a sale on, do you want to book a ticket? The action is book the ticket, don't book the ticket. And then, you know, Siri could understand all of that and allow the user. So I kind of think, I don't know, that these ways of um, surfacing the functionality of your app outside of your app. um,
2: Yeah, that could be cool
1: again i don't think it's that likely i think we'll see something around that
0: i think we are definitely going to see something in that area of like being able to interact with your app outside of your app
1: mm-hmm. makes sense
0: yeah i think it does make sense i don't necessarily know if that's exactly the way that it's going to happen
1: i think it'd be nice i'd like it android has that right yeah the the locks the notification center in android you can actually do stuff with things
2: pretty sure you can
1: well so you, you can
0: do that with some of the some of the built-in notifications
1: already, right? Yeah, like not, Siri can reply to a message. Yeah. Yeah, so Siri can reply to a message. And you can, can you reply in the lock screen? No. No, no, you no, can no. Swipe not within on the a lock screen. You can swipe on a notification to launch the app you that knows about have, it. You can
0: have you can have um some apps or at least some So hardware can have a like a an. Yeah, a little button. So, for instance, the Pebble, when the Pebble comes, set, looks, says that it wants to connect to your device. It has a little allow button.
3: All right, cool. I've um, never seen that.
0: I'm not sure if that. I'm not nice. exactly sure how that works, but like that the calendar alerts have
1: snooze. Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, same thing. I think. So opening that up a bit, I think, and I'm, I'm hoping that it's more than just notification center. I'm hoping that it's a way of that apps could interact with one another through that mechanism. So you could be within one app and know about another app installed on the device and just say, I want to access a little bit of functionality from that other app. Mm. Have you guys got any other um, framework slash OS features that you're predicting and or wanting?
2: I think there'll be beacon improvements. I'm not sure what they'll be. I want them to fix my bug, which is um, the beacon daemon crashes and then the only way to fix it seems to be to restart your phone and it's like a
1: silent crash. Have you logged it with radar? No, <laughs> I should. I have no way to reproduce it though. Yeah. So I figure they'll just come back. I run into it all the time as well. And I don't know exactly what's going on, but I certainly run into situations where none of the apps on my device that would normally know about beacons can know about any of the beacons. It's error code 16. If that
2: helps anyone, yeah. that would be great. It's painful. Mm. That'd be nice if they improved beacons. Yeah, I'm going straight to the labs with that question. Yeah.
0: I don't have anything, so why don't we move on to
1: the next thing so that we don't run out of time? Sure, iCloud will be dropped. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes, we'll just go. There'll be an apology for iCloud, and they'll yeah, say they... sorry, sorry, we messed it up. It's now cloud. I'm new to <laughs> oh, yeah. no, it. K cloud. Oh no, won't be i. J cloud.
0: No, no, no. It'll it'll still be i something, but it won't be cloud. So it'll be called i storm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sure, know. why not? Uh, no, look, in all seriousness, um, what do I want? Uh, I would like iCloud to become a proper platform as a service, kind of like Windows Azure or PaaS. I'd oh, like yeah? to be able to see
0: the ability to get into it from outside of iOS.
1: Yeah, so that's mainly what I mean. So as platform as a service, I mean, I want it to have a RESTful API. I want it to have a JavaScript client so I could write a web app that, Interacts with iCloud in right. the same way as iOS app does. And this is something that
0: I've, I've kind of wanted ever since I first implemented iCloud in mm. progressions.
1: Yeah. Um. Um, and it's something that you get with all these other platforms as a service, right? The other thing that um, both Azure and PaaS do is user management. So I think Azure lets you, certainly lets you um, say, you know, I want to build an app and I want, I want this concept of users uh, and they can authenticate either via Facebook or Twitter. Um, or I think Windows Passport, Windows Live Passport. Yeah, I, I feel like you're, if they did that in
0: there. iCloud, it would be an Apple ID. Yeah, Apple ID, right? Yeah.
1: So Apple has, every iOS user has an Apple ID. They've, why are Apple not trying to compete with Facebook and Twitter as being, let's use Apple ID as the auth mechanism for third-party services? Because so Apple say. has never been about their services. It just it's- seems weird. Like, wouldn't it be nice if people could, like, if I could develop an app that has an iOS client and a web client, and you could log in with your Apple ID and get your stuff. That would be awesome. Oh, look, it
0: makes logical sense. (laughs) That's not the problem here. I wonder if you can predict what my prediction of the likelihood of this happening is. It's it's low. I'm going to say like a two
1: or a three. One. Oh, see, I (laughs) thought about one. one. (laughs) So, again... Have you guys got any other iCloud predictions?
2: Yeah, there'll be core data iCloud improvements. They'll probably still <laughs> work. We fixed core we fixed core data again
1: for iCloud. Fantastic. Uh, and my final category Apple TV.
2: Ah. Ten, yes, out, it's definitely happening. Ten out test- of
1: ten. I want Apps for Apple TV, an SDK for Apple Apple TV. My likelihood of it happening minus ten. It's never going to happen. I'm going to no because it. I've been predicting it'll this happen. It's like every happen year at for like point. I reckon ten years. Feels absolutely. like ten years. It's I feel like going this to is at some it. point. I
2: always say no, and I don't know why, but this time I'm going with yes. Uh, <laughs> I feel I'm, like they have. I, I
0: feel like they're
2: they're about an to do it. Eight out of ten. There was likelihood. Talks, so there was talks <laughs> at some point. I think
0: towards the end of last year or around the turn of the year about. Apple TV and about new hardware for Apple TV. There were rumors or something. I can't remember exactly what they were. Um, I think that we I was the suggestion was that we were going to get something in like in the early part of the year, in that early quarter. And that, that was never, never going to pa- Well, that no, that never <laughs> panned out. But I think that that could suggest that they've held off until this year until dub so, dub.
1: W- w- I think there's a chance that we'll see some new Apple TV stuff, like whether it's just an up- software update to Apple TV or Hardware, I don't think there's much chance there'll be third-party apps running on it. I do, my concession to that is perhaps this kind of improved notification notifications with actions thing would come to Apple TV as well. So you'd be able to like, mm, instead of just AirPlay, cool. push content onto the screen, you'd be able to say, iOS device, send a notification to the big screen to alert the user to something and ask them to make a choice through, I don't know. But then why would you want to do that if you've got your phone in your hand? Much easier to make the choice on the phone than make the choice on the TV. But I don't know. I kind of see them maybe if they do something with wearables or if they do something new with Apple TV, that the first version will have very limited ability to execute third-party code. It would be more like a a glorified way of notifying people. Here's another reason
0: why I think it might happen this year. So last year, they introduced um APIs built-in APIs for for game controllers to iOS. Yes, they did. I think that what they might do is if they, if they implement apps for Apple TV, then they can make use of that those APIs and improve those APIs to be able to use those game controllers with your Apple TV and have and open the Apple TV up for for a gaming as a gaming-ish platform.
1: Maybe. Um, I'll give you a concession on games as the, the niche example of apps. So I don't think there'll be like a UI kit for Apple TV equivalent where you'll be able to do your own custom UIs, but maybe at the game level where you're doing everything, maybe it'll be like glorified airplay. So instead of just well, sending, yeah. like maybe you could actually send the executable to the TV executor on the TV or and just use your phone as the control, to like
0: CarPlay. And I think I suggest, I, th- I think I suggested this around the time that CarPlay actually got not announced, but officially kind of okay, when this is who our partners are and all that sort of stuff. Which was was it earlier this year? I can't remember. Anyway. um I, at the time I tweeted something along the lines of what if the next thing that what if the thing that they're going to be doing with the Apple TV is not like an update to the Apple TV to be like a little box that runs stuff on your TV you know an iPhone without a screen that your TV is the screen mm. what if it's just a box that receives something in the same way that CarPlay does It's kind of what it is at the moment with AirPlay but yeah but not not, not quite fully as much. because when you plug into CarPlay right you can Use all the apps. The apps have um like special screens and stuff yeah. that like that you can and you can yeah automatically use them with the with the uh, the screen and with the built-in controls in your car. Yeah. Um, what if that's the next thing that we're going to see with the Apple TV? And so that rather than having apps that run specifically on the Apple TV, maybe they're running on your phone, and you're interacting with them somehow through the Apple TV. And that way, whenever you go to like a friend's house or your apps are with you. Yeah. And that's good. I feel like that might be the more likely scenario. Well, that'd be nice. But I've given up actually predicting anything will happen with Apple TV. So there's one other thing that I think that we could probably talk about in regards to this dub dub, because I think there is something that a lot of people have been talking about in regards to what's coming up from Apple, and that's wearables, specifically probably
1: the iWatch. Although I. So with this uh, whole Beats rumored acquisition, mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking maybe what if the wearable is a set of headphones? A, f- a friend was showing me a set of uh, Bluetooth headphones that he's got with a microphone as well and the, the buttons to control it um, and was explaining how great they are in terms of like um, Siri is a great way of interacting with iOS. Um, so you use your voice as input and it tells you things as as the output um isn't that kind of cool wearable to have like a set of headphones that has some intelligence about it that you can you know interact with tell it things it'll tell you things back um,
0: i can i can see that sort of thing being the case i think that the i think the thing that people are really hoping for though is something with a screen of some kind yeah and but why well i think because we've got like the Phone has a really nice screen, yeah, I know, but the, like a lot of the people a lot of people feel like the the way to the 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 whole point of of a wearable like like a watch or something is so that you don't always have to dig out your phone,
3: yeah, yeah, I think I, that's yeah,
0: yeah. and so there's these all these talks about the of obviously the iWatch, and then more recently there's been the talks about the ring, which I still state say is not going to happen um we had feedback on that actually from yes. from friend of the show gerald kim um who in response to my comment about it never happening on
1: yeah there is one well
0: he posted a he posted a us, us a a link which i will add to our show notes uh for something called the smarty ring it is not a candy what a terrible name <laughs> uh it is it is like it's a, it is a ring like it's it's a it's a full on ring that has a little led screen in it and apparently connects up to your phone your phone and can do has buttons on it uh so that you can do stuff with it there the thing go. is is that the, the thing that i i noticed while looking at this site however is that None of the photos are of anything real. They're all renders. It actually says so on the website. All oh, right. Um, The other thing is, is that all the renders that they show are in various different sizes. Okay. So, you look at, like, renders of, the, of people with, like, holding their hand out, showing you their fancy ring. And it's, like, this really thick thing that's about, like, a centimeter thick, which is a solid ring. Like, it's yeah, a big yeah. ring. And then in other renders, it's really skinny and really kind of chunky. I don't think that uh, the thing is, you I don't believe think it. that I don't believe it. I like that there are plenty of things that are really, really small things like like we've we've commented previously on how like that some of the beacon oh, hardware is yeah. really small. Fitbits are quite small. And so the issue... yeah, but you're not gonna be wearing a Fitbit on your finger anytime soon, <laughs> are you? I could <laughs> grab this one to my <laughs> the, the thing is is that like the amount of the amount of uh of hardware that has to go in there including a battery i think is still too big yeah to be to be useful and the thing is is that i don't think that apple is going to release a ring at any point where it's too big or too clunky to be you
1: know useful yeah, I, you. I think we can safely i am with you i don't think apple are going to do a ring i don't
2: even think we're going to get the watch
1: no i don't think we're going to get i i don't think there'll be any hardware announcements i reckon there'll be uh, laptops bumped laptops retina retina display maybe all right. Given how well I did, if we go back to last year's WWDC prediction episode, I think I was wrong on every single prediction I made. I oh, look! I were. guarantee.
0: I, I think we can guarantee that we're going to be wrong on every single one this yeah. year.
1: <laughs>
2: no way! We are getting static analyzer warning improvements. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this.
0: Ben's going to save us with one ac- one accurate prediction. Awesome. Nice. All right. Well, I think I think that'll do.
1: That'll do. I can't wait to watch it all from the comfort of my home. Well, Ben and I will be
0: in San Francisco. Yes, we will. I just got my ticket like an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So we'll be in San Francisco if you run into us. Uh, I'll be in
1: Canberra if anyone wants to watch WWDC videos. (laughs) I might just stay here and watch them
0: with you. so if you, if you uh if you see us around please please feel free to come and say hello we uh we're very happy to to meet people and I'm shy so that's pretty much the only way I will meet people if you would like to read any of the things that we talked about in this episode uh any of the stuff that we have we will uh we will be posting uh show notes on the internet for you to click on and read the thing or, or tap or tap yeah depending on what device you're using
1: or Tell Siri to... Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. Oh, that was something we didn't mention. Siri, opening Siri up to third parties. <sighs> Too late. Did Never you know that the podcast app has been updated to include Siri? So you can now <laughs> yeah. say, Siri, play the latest episode of Mobile Couch. And you should do that. I haven't actually you tried may, it. I'm you, assuming that'll work. You may already be doing
0: it. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> so uh, if you would like to read any of those show notes, they'll be on the website under this. Funny ad- story. Right, okay. <laughs> Awesome.
1: Awesome. Driving home today in the car and my three year old says, Dad, Dad, you pretend to be you and I'm gonna be your telephone. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me you want to call Ben. (laughs) I'm like, please call Ben. He's like, Sorry, you can't do that right now. Please try again later. (laughs) And I cracked myself. Uh... Can I do the show notes now? <laughs> <You can. laughs> awesome. He's got Siri down pat.
0: <laughs> so if you'd like to read any of the show notes, jump onto our website. That's mobilecouch.co forward slash 32. Now, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do that as well probably can't do it through Siri <laughs> 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 or through your or through your uh young three year pretending to be Siri. Yes. Uh but you can do it on our website that is mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter the mobile couch account is underscore mobile couch. You can also get in touch with Jake on Twitter individually if you feel so inclined. Jake is J mcMullen that's J M A C M U D L I N if you want to talk to Ben, you can do that as well. That's B E N
3: T R E N G R O V E, Ben Trengrove. Yeah, yeah, yep. And I am Jelly Bean Soup.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening.
1: And have a happy WWDC. Have a We're happy WWDC wherever you're celebrating it from.
0: Indeed. <laughs> and uh, like I said, if you if you are there, then you should you should get in touch with us, and we would we would love to meet you. Except for me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Poor Jake. We will see you then. We will see you then. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.